Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to spoilers. Thank you, Master Yoda, for the spoiler warning. Just to reiterate, this is your spoiler warning. We will be expanding into the universe and going deep into the archives to explain everything in the Star Wars canon. This is also your warning for adult content. I have a bad feeling about this. I don't sense anything. It's not about the mission master, it's something elsewhere, elusive. Don't center on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. But Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. But not at the expense of the moment. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. Yes, Master. You're tuning into Spectre Radio. Revisiting our favorite Star Wars movie moments and debating about scenes from the shows. We're just three millennials trying to find way through the galaxy through the eyes of the Jedi, clones, and the Sith. I'm Wyatt. I'm Andrew. My name is Alyssa, and we are Spectre Radio. Hello and welcome back to Spectre Radio. We are pumped to get this review underway. Today we will be talking about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Wow, what a title. Um, before we get going, let's break down um, what actually happened in this episode. And uh, Andrew is going to read the opening scroll. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Peace and Justice in the Galaxy, to settle the conflict. Awesome. Well, we are thrilled to get into our very first movie recap pod. But first, let's talk about some things you might not know about the film in our segment, Access the Archives. Impossible. Perhaps the archives are incomplete. So Obi-Wan was taken as a Padawan learner much later than most of his peers. So do, oh. you, have, do you have an age on when he was taken, roughly? I don't remember. To be quite honest, I don't because, even know if they have a canon age listed. Because um, if it's see. anything older than Luke, then Yoda's a hypocrite. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> no, it's so oh, they take fired. Jedi. Um, they take people who are force sensitive, typically at age six months from their families. And by take, I mean, usually it's like a, an honor for the family to give up the child. Um, occasionally it's not. And they're like, hey, we, we need this kid because if he develops these powers and isn't taught how to use them, he might slaughter your whole family by accident. So we're going to save your lives and take this kid. What I meant was um, he was just a youngling for really awkwardly long time until um, a master finally said, Hey, you know, I want you or he passed enough tests to be even become just a Padawan. That's more what I meant. So they didn't want to induct Anakin because he was nine and knew who his mother was and was really attached to his family. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon only recently connected as well as they do in the, in the film. Uh, previously, their relationship was very choppy, not fluid. 
Um, Qui-Gon Jinn turned down a seat to the Jedi Council not too long before this. Uh, Jabba the Hutt um, and Gardula the Hutt despised each other more often than not. Uh, Natalie Portman and Kiera Knightley's mothers had difficulty differentiating the two on set. Um, Kiera Knightley was one of the handmaidens. And I did not know that until Andrew told me this a couple months ago. So if you didn't know, I had no idea. I didn't know until probably a few years ago. No, I totally knew that. No, I, because you're not looking like, I love Natalie Portman. She's one of my favorite actresses. So I'm looking for her. I'm not looking for the other handmaidens or who they are because yeah, in, in, <laughs> in my eyes, they're just stand-ins and fill-ins. But that's just how my mind, my mind kind of kind of goes at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Alyssa, what did you have? Yeah, that actually segues pretty well to one of my points. So obviously one of the glaringly awkward pieces of plot here is that Anakin and Padme are supposedly five years apart and obviously Anakin being the younger Padme slash Queen Amidala being the older but that reminded me of another movie with Liam Neeson and Keira Knightley a little film called Love Actually if you guys have ever watched it have you ever seen it it? I am proud to say I have not (laughs) neither of you have seen it cool I've heard it my mom over Christmas break was just telling me that she had never seen it and I told her there are some uncomfortable scenes to watch with your parents. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to talk about it here because it's not appropriate. However, in the movie, Kira Knightley's character plays a bride. And there's another young character, um, much younger, played by Thomas, uh, sorry, Thomas Brody Sangster. Now, technically, these characters, one of them the younger one was supposed to be uh, an 11-year-old, I believe, whereas Kira Knightley was playing the bride, right? So in your mind, she's probably what? In her 20s, minimum. In reality, in real life, they were only five years apart. So if you want to have your mind blown, go look at a picture of the two of them side by side. Thomas literally looks like he's an infant. <laughs> and Kira Knightley looks like she can get it, if you know what I'm talking about. So. I just thought that was interesting because they're supposedly the same age gap and that's the only other film where that does not work. And like, there's no way, there's no way. Like it's the same concept if you're following what I'm saying. So, but to clarify, Anakin was supposed to be, um, nine, right. And the actor who played him was 10, whereas Padme was supposed to be 14, hence the five year age gap. We can do math, but Natalie Portman was 16. So six-year age gap for the actors, five-year for the characters, but still super creepy in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree. It's little, especially, especially when like at the very last episode, um, not very, sorry, very last scene where like um, they're trading that sphere of power and like Padme's like biting her like upper lip at Anakin. she did not bite her upper lip. Go back she, and rewatch it. It looks I like she's just biting. I watched it. She was smiling, but it, I didn't for, catch that for a second. It looks like she's biting her her upper lip. Yeah, it's like she's condoning the flirting of this child, which is like you know sometimes when you're babysitting, 
you guys might not have ever experienced this, but sometimes you're babysitting and the kid like tries to hit on you and be cute. And you're like, oh, you're so sweet. Go to bed. Um, <laughs> where she was like, oh, I just, I want to be your new mommy, but also I am in love with you. So I, uh, I, I feel like she was smiling because yay, my people aren't being slaughtered anymore <laughs> by the trade federation. Thank you kid we'll, we'll for blowing up the droid control ship. We will never know. We'll never know. <sighs> we will never but, know. Uh, yeah. You guys but just my, need to get your minds out of the gun. Well, <laughs> George Lucas, who probably listens to this podcast, can always sure. DM us and ask us. Please, come on. Uh, yeah, okay. With us. But my other, uh, my other point was actually going to be another um, fact about um, Padme. So what, another piece of plot that was kind of bugging me was why the heck is Queen Amidala's voice so different from Padme's voice. I'm like, this girl cannot possibly throw her voice that much. No. Like, there's no way. So I looked into it because it was, like, bugging me. And apparently, our friend that we were just talking about, George Lucas, decided to make the queen sound more mature as a 14-year-old, quote-unquote. He decided that he was going to dub Amidala's voice to sound more mature and that lower pitch, which when she's in the sun, it sounds like that. And you're like, what the heck is going on? And then Patty's voice is like this and she's so sweet and she's an angel. So, um, yeah, I don't really get why that was the choice. I don't think it made such a huge difference. I think she could have done it somewhat naturally if she was given the direction, but it sounds like it was kind of a post film, post production type of decision. Right. I agree. I mean, didn't, wasn't there a rumor that George Lucas wanted to change the name like very last minute right before it was about to release into the theaters? What, the film name? Yeah. That sounds vaguely familiar. I'm not sure. I know he changed um, the episode six's name pretty last minute. Mm -hmm. It used to be Re Revenge of the Jedi, and then they had already released merchandise. There's actually merchandise out there for it. So... Next, we are, so this movie came out in 1999, so this movie came out 21 years ago. <laughs> My goodness. It is hard to fathom and believe. 21 years ago, I was seven. I was almost seven. <laughs> I was five, almost six. Um, so um, what I want to talk about in this next segment is what we remember back then or when we first saw it i did not see it when it came out i, I was a couple years after before i saw it so <laughs> this segment what we remember versus our thoughts now in 2020 21 years later after the film to me um i'm focusing more on storyline versus laser sword battles <laughs> that is as basic and plain as i can make it because as a you know, seven to 10 year old, you don't care about plot lines. You don't care about uh, trade routes or taxes or anything like that. You just care about who's killing who. That's a cool weapon. I want it. <laughs> um, so that's all I remember. And I was just talking with uh, Alyssa before we started recording, but um, in the Senate gathering, when um, Amadala is up there kind of pleading her case to the Senate, there's Wookiees in there. And I did not. ETs. I did not see them the first couple of times. I only saw it today while I was rewatching it. So 
I appreciate that for like the little small effects. Um, and then I know Andrew had a really good point um, that he wants to mention too about what he remembered, you know, back in 99 versus now here in 2020. When he was five. When he was five. <laughs> okay, so I don't remember. In the garden, Andrew. <laughs> Listen, I don't remember a ton from the first time watching it because as they pointed out uh, lovingly, I was five. Um, but in the very couple of years after that, when I had probably watched it an additional hundred times, um, there were some scenes added. Um, I noticed watching it two nights ago because I watched it on Disney+. Plus. So there were some scenes and some sounds and such added. And now, of course, I, I wrote them out down on a note, and then uh, that note is no longer here, um, of course. I can, th- I can think of one, at least. It might not be a scene itself, but how about I rewatch the trailer because I was like, oh, I want to revisit that 90s feel, you know, of the trailer, like literally when you buy a VHS, right, and you play yeah. all these trailers. Um, how about there was a freaking puppet that played Yoda that oh, was nightmare that was fuel. That was nightmare fuel that reminded me of like <laughs> peak 90s culture, goosebumps material For kind sure. of stuff. And I only remember the like edited version, you know, with um, the special effects being what they are. And I yeah, was like- Yeah, you didn't have to grow up with that. <laughs> well- I mean, I'm sure at some point I saw that version, but I think it traumatized me so much as a child that I just blocked it out. Because seeing that trailer, I'm like, I've literally never seen this. And then I thought, no, I saw the movie when it came out. So I saw that version. But and it's, it's weird because this CGI um, version looks older than Yoda does in episode three CGI. And he's supposed right. to be 13 years younger. I Which mean, not is, is not a ton for him. He's looking pretty good but... for his age, no matter what. We could just yeah. say that. He's 800 years old. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, that was one of the things I thought of. But yeah, I was thinking. That was the biggest thing. I was thinking of like that time, um, just like I said, peak 90s culture. Like I feel like, you know, of course, with the comics and the books and everything, you know, Obi-Wan's hair was, you know, for what it was, Star Wars culture, but it was totally like peak 90s. Like we're talking the little ponytail, the little braid rat tail. I was like, this is just like peak 90s to me. Um, And then as Andrew was reading that opening crawl, I'm like, there's no way my seven-year-old brain was able to compute those words. Right. I'm sure I turned to my mom or dad and was like, what does that mean? Taxes? What's that, mommy? Um, but I will say the biggest thing that stuck out into my mind, and I talked about this on our first, um, trailer pod was the toys. I remember all of the toys that we had as kids were from the Phantom Menace. Like we had a plethora of Star Wars junk, but I would say majority of it was like, we were obsessed with it when the first movie came out. So we had, and I'll, I'll share this on our social media at some point. We had this toy called um, a, com, uh, a Phantom Menace Electric Com Tech. Do you guys remember those? Did you ever play with those or see those? Vaguely remember seeing them. I want to, were they not at Toys R Us? Probably. But okay. they were basically like a bigger version of Qui-Gon's Comlink. So in the movie, when he's communicating with Obi-Wan, you can see him hold probably like the size of like a power bank. You know, it's really small in the palm of your hand. 
But then I was thinking, man, Qui-Gon is like a tall dude. Maybe it was just really small in his hand and really big in my seven-year-old hand. But um, I'll share a YouTube video, but the short explanation is it was like peak, again, peak 90s technology where the hot thing, if y'all remember, were microchips. Like everything was microchips. We thought it was such advanced technology. There was the hit clip thing. It was like the little MP3 player, but it played a microchip and it played 30 seconds of like your favorite Aaron Carter song. And it was just the chorus and you jump up on your bed on a loop, hit clips, Britney Spears, Aaron Carter. It played like all of it. Anyway, so the Comlink toy was cool because it came with like a figurine and it would come with like a trading card or whatever, explaining like who the character was. And then the little character itself would sit on the Comlink toy And then once the microchips communicated with each other, Wyatt and I are showing our toys to each other as we're mimicking this out. But as the character sat on top of the comm link, the microchip in the toy would communicate with the microchip in the figurine. And for example, um, was it, it was Captain Panaka that we had. That was a popular one. And that was the one I always had to play because my brother had to be the Jedi. And so I was, I would always be Captain Panaka and you'd put him on the little toy and he would say quote from the movie. So that was one of the first things I remembered. And I was just talking about that with my parents. And I was like, where in our garage do we keep this? Because I know we still have it somewhere and I got to bring it. But do you know what his communicator was in the movie? What it was, what they like, whatever prop or whatever they made it from a nineties women's Gillette razor. (laughs) I knew you would love that. That's what I'm saying. It's like peak 90s technology, peak 90s culture, all of it. We had a a bigger version, um, a bigger toy. It was the Naboo Royal Starship. It was chrome. It was so cool. Um, It had the little action figures, and we would play Star Wars, and they'd fly around and do stuff. There was a Queen Amidala Barbie that I never got that was so pretty. And now they're like, some of them are on eBay for like 30 bucks. I'm like, I should just get one. So. I might get that, but I'll, I'll say two more things about 90s culture, and then I know we have to move on. But um, then, if you guys remember, a little bit later on in the um, prequel trilogies, um, there, I think it was in, I just looked, uh, 2005, they came out with the Lego Star Wars game for GameCube. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was, like, pretty heavy in the beginning. You played episode one, so that was kind of like when you were a kid, when I was, what, just shy of my 13th birthday and I wasn't very good at video games. That was like the episode I had to play over and over and over again. Right. So, um, everything from the game reminded me so much of all the sounds from the movie. They just copy everything. When you crash into something in the pod race, it's the exact same sound. And I know that sound very well, not embarrassed (laughs) to say that. Um, the last, 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 last nineties thing I will say is weird Al Yankovic the song oh, begins. <laughs> I was hoping you guys knew what that was. Um, I know that more than I know the real like American Pie song. Oh, for sure. And um, like every road trip, I'll sing that with my dad. Uh, my uncle Robert and I are the biggest Weird Al fans on this earth. I've met Weird Al. I've talked to him about that song. I told him how much I appreciated that he wrote it um, and, and all parody music that he's done. Um, and last but not least, I got to see him perform the saga begins live. And I was in the second row and it blew my face off. And they had members wow. of our local 501st come and perform with him. It was amazing. It was that so is cool. really cool. It's probably going to be one of my favorite segments that we are definitely going to do for every 
movie and series release, um, sorry, movie and series review that we do is what if. So the basics of this segment is what if blank, blank, blank. Like what if this didn't happen? What if this happened? Because a lot of what us three talk about is basically what ifs. You know, especially when we were all watching the Mandalorian series together and we were predict what would happen and what if this happened. So um, we've each come prepared with um, these questions based on this movie alone. So I will, I'll kick us off and kind of start it. Um, my, my first one is what if, what if Darth Maul would have bested both Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon? And I'm curious to what your answers initially are going to be. Um, Andrew, what do you, what do you think? <clears throat> well, that would have been kind of interesting because <sighs> I don't know if it's canon anymore. I think it's still canon um, that, like when when Qui Gon when Qui Gon said it was possible that Anakin was conceived by the Minichlorians, um, they're originally in Legends. Um, Sidious and his master Plagueis um, were just doing all kinds of like Sith rituals. Part of it was like trying to get the the Jedi's vision into the future clouded. So they're always saying, oh, the, the vision's clouded, our, our ability to use the force is diminished. All that is because they were screwing with that so they could, you know, do their grand plans to take over. So one of the one of the things they did was try and create the chosen one. I believe that's still canon, but I'm not 100% sure. So keeping that in mind, that would mean that Palpatine would be nixing Maul off way earlier than he intended because he he did not intend for him to die that, mm -hmm. that when he sent him in episode one, he intended to use him for much longer, probably originally, he probably wanted to keep him until like he yeah, order 66 until Anakin was ready. Yeah. So, but if he was to have access to him earlier, I'm, I'm really not sure what he would do. Um, I don't know if he would keep them both because he was very big on the rule of two Mm -hmm. Um, even though he kind of low key told Dooku that they would all live together. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm that, that would be very interesting because he, he liked Maul a lot. He actually liked Maul more than Dooku. Like he liked that Dooku had the political ties and was rich. Um, but he, Maul was technically as proficient in lightsaber combat as he was. So he was very proud of that apprentice. So I'm, I'm really not sure. What do you think, Alyssa? Yeah, I mean, he ultimately changes his decision because of that, right? You know, and he was very adamant, like we were saying, that nope, 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 we're not letting him in. Can't sit with us, sorry. Um, and then very quickly, you know, oh, Qui-Gon's dead. Yeah, sure, you can. Uh, Qui-Gon's dead. Obi-Wan needs somebody to train. It's like when you ask your dad something and he's like, no, and then you ask him two more times. And he's like, fine, do whatever. Um, you know, that's kind that's of exactly thought. what it was like. That's literally what it was like. But your, your question, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Your dad said <laughs> yes. What <laughs> for, <laughs> for real for, for the daughter? Yes. Oh. Um, but yeah, um, your original question had me thinking about the difference between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, right? So like Qui-Gon, when he was dueling with Maul, there was that point when the force fields were up where he literally knelt there and was meditating. Right. And he was thinking about 
what his next move was going to be, whether he was soothsaying, I don't know if he was looking into the future or what, but um, the difference between the two of them, whereas, you know, Obi-Wan is charging through those force fields up into the point where he's, you know, trapped at the very end, almost made it all the way through, sees his master murdered. And then I think for him, his instincts were less, you know, let me be patient and meditate. And it was more like rage and just pure power. And he had seen, you know, when just, when just watching this again, from his point of view, I'm looking at Darth Maul is like the sickest Sith of all time. Like, I will say that he's my favorite. He's a freaking badass. Agreed. And, um, seeing the way he fought so dirty, you know, it was kicks to the nose and kicks to the shin and all these things that had nothing to do with the lightsaber. Right. And cool enough that the first time you're like, Oh great. He's a Sith. He's got a red blade. And then the second duel, it's like, Holy crap, there's two. And your little seven-year-old or five-year-old brain is like, Oh my God, how, like, when did we, when did we get one of those? Right. Um, and then everybody had the little plastic one that had two ends and you were like, kayaking Mm -hmm. in the air but um yeah i think to get back to my point really what's interesting about that is um he had seen the dirty tricks that maul was trying to pull in that duel between qui-gon and ultimately how he was bested right was his lightsaber got knocked out of his hands and it's just your it's it's curtains for you buddy but um i think what got me extra emotional about that was the fact that um he you know first of all overcame him through his own like just rage and power but secondly that he did it and avenged his master's death with his master's weapon and ultimately took that blade and, and that's how we know him with the green blade so i was like oh i'm so emo like thinking about that yeah but, cool. um yeah that's a really interesting thought wyatt to see how that would affect the timeline um but i i kind of agree with it, what andrew said i think ultimately they would have trained anakin and you know they have to test that down that path and see if he's the chosen one, just based on all the the facts that they were given the midichlorians, the test that they gave him all of it. Cause it seems like the only one who was a thousand percent against it was Mace Windu. Yeah. Um, Yoda seemed receptive to it. Um, but that's just, that's just me re- reading their faces. You know, Mace Windu doesn't really show emotion in live action. He does more in, uh, in clones for sure. Um, I was watching this with my brother last night and we were, we were making fun of it a little bit. And I was just like, it was the, the council scene where they present Anakin to them. And you you ever notice how the council, they'll just like look off to the side at each other and like do that judgy thing. And I'm like, wow, they do that a lot. They're very (laughs) judgy. And then like, did you notice Mace Windu's face and especially the eyebrows is the most emotion he ever portrayed, except when losing his hand. Um, He's just like, I do not be looking at Yoda. Spoilers. Spoilers. Okay, sorry. Yes, there are spoilers in this podcast um, from stuff that happened 21 years ago. Um, He has his eyebrows raised and everything. He's like, I do not believe the Sith could have returned without us knowing. Like the way he looked like that, it was just like, dude, I thought you were watching them. And like the way he looks at Yoda and I expected Yoda to be like, no, bro, I thought you were watching them. (laughs) Like, because my brother's like, that doesn't look like that. I'm like, Brian, rewind it. He rewound it. He goes, oh my gosh, that's exactly what that looks like. It looks like somebody dropped the ball and was supposed to be watching whether the Sith came back or not. And they were just covering their asses at the last minute. (laughs) 
I was gonna joke and say, what if one one um, pod racer was worth two slaves? Um, oh, that's so sad. The side note. Side note: Had Qui Gon survived, I like to think that he would go back and yes. free her. A thousand because, percent. Because he's just, you know, he doesn't seem. It doesn't strike me as someone who would attempt to right or wrong, not succeed, and never come back. That's Plus, just. Our man yeah. was sweet on that woman. We can oh, just say. it was adorable. So was, the one I will ask almost, is... Almost too sweet. Yeah, they didn't cross the line, though. I mean, he definitely, like, went, oh, good morning, when she came to the yeah, pod race. I was, like, oh, I was like, oh, my boy. Right. So the what if okay. I will do is, what if Palpatine managed to not get himself elected? What if that didn't work? Because even, even Queen Amidala was just like, yeah, who else has been nominated? I was like, damn, even your own queen from your own planet's like... I mean, he probably would have just had that guy murdered, don't you think? Or killed him himself. Probably. He did kill... Uh, okay. Um, so in the episode one novelization, he kills his master that night that he got elected. Ah, there you go. Yeah. So he's in a, he's in a killing mood. <laughs> <laughs> Palpatine has his hands in everything. Like, he is the master manipulator. And like... The fact that, and I'm going to dog on Yoda on every one of these podcasts, so I'm warning everybody. Like, the fact that Yoda didn't sense it around him is incredible. And really speaks to, like, Yoda's, I want to say, like, old age might have made him less. That's an excellent point. I mean, he because he dies how many years later? Like, a hundred. No, no, from this, like, Yoda dies. Was it 28 years you're later? About, you're talking about an episode six? Yeah. Um, 19 plus four plus 10. <laughs> so 29 plus four, 33 years, so something like that. When he dies 33 years later. So yeah. he might not be in the best tip-top shape, but again, in Mandalorian, we've seen how slow their species progresses. So I'm sure he was on his best during the 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 um, High Republic. It's like reverse dog years. Well, no, the the thing is, I don't even think it's necessarily age because no one else sensed it around him either. And especially like well, during the Clone Wars, like all the Jedi are around him all the time. That's not necessarily true because there was a there was a point in the plot where Qui Gon was saying like I sense this a, a sense of Sith Lord right, and it was before Maul had even emerged and sprung off that speeder. Um, which I found very interesting. I was like, how can Qui-Gon sense this and Yoda can't? What does that say about the two of them? Unless Palpatine's just excellent at playing the fool. Manipulating, yeah. Well, Sith are in general because um, I remember, I don't remember if it was a comic, but Qui-Gon had actually met Plagueis. He didn't know it was Plagueis. Plagueis was like undercover as his like non-supervillain identity, some rich guy. And he was in a boardroom, board meeting with him and had no idea that it was him. So, but also Qui-Gon's view of the Force is way different than most Jedi. That's why he's like kind of the maverick. Yeah. Rich guy, boardroom. I'm picturing that half up, half down hair with a suit. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, he's, he's from the banking clan species, the, the Sith master. So he's a, uh, what, what, what was it called? I can't remember what they're called now. I was talking about Qui-Gon though. I'm oh, picturing that oh, hair that with funny. the combination of the suit. Like, mm, good it would have been, look, it would have been him from uh, Schindler's list with the shorter hair. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I feel like he was in a suit. Most of that, most of that movie. True. But yeah. All right. Alyssa, what do you got? 
Okay, so you guys, I have a very bold claim to make, and then I'm going to ask my what if or say my what if. So I was thinking about our boy Jar Jar Binks. Mm-hmm. Keep going. And I was thinking about Shut up, why <laughs> why it loves Jar Jar Binks. It's his favorite character. Misa Yusa. I was thinking about why is this character even necessary? Like, obviously, the Gungans play a pretty vital role in the plot, which I'm sure we'll talk about or get to at some point. Yeah, but... keep it going. Keep it going. How you feeling over there, Wyatt? <laughs> he looks pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> He was I'm, hoping you were going in a different direction. I'm getting that. there. I'm getting there. I'm okay. don't. What I wrote down in my notes is that I'm thankful for the character of Jar Jar Binks because my thought is, as annoying, don't roll your eyes. Let me finish my sentence, young man. <laughs> because my thought is, and that was uh, Andrew who was rolling his eyes. At this point, my thought was, I'm actually thankful for the character of Jar Jar Binks because as a five-year-old and a s- almost seven-year-old, Do you think we would have been that intrigued in the movie had we not had somebody speaking at our five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old level? No, you got a point. I loved him as a kid. My opinion is, right, my opinion is that we might probably not have liked the movie or it might not have kept our attention enough to continue to enjoy the subsequent films in the prequel trilogy. So with that claim being said, my what if is what if Jar Jar, however, had like a cuter voice or looked more like a Grogu kind of like big eyes and sweet and not these like giant antennae, eyeball, creepy, slimy things. Would he still be, would he be cute if he was clumsy and adorable looking? Would he be less annoying if he wasn't having that voice? You know what I'm saying? Would he be more adorable or more tolerable for adults? if he had a cuter appearance and a cuter voice and was still somewhat clumsy, you know what I'm saying? Like Grogu's walking around dropping things and, you know, eating, eating babies. Good God. And we're like, oh, we'll give him a pass because he goes, me, and he's so cute. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. So what are your thoughts? Um, I feel like he would be less hated by adults if he was, you know, because clearly Grogu is appealing to Everybody. adults right now. Um, as far as if it was a cuter person being clumsy, I guess, I, I don't know. That's probably not the way that George Lucas wanted that movie to go. He just wanted a ridiculously goofy character. Um, but I mean, I feel like it could have, they, it could have kept us, you know, it just depends on, I think kids are liking Grogu. So, I mean, I, I feel like it would keep us pretty decently, but I think it's because of how goofy he was that that's why five and seven year olds loved it. But that's interesting. Um, I can see that working for sure. I think that they, in George Lucas's mind, they needed a scapegoat hmm. because Later on, spoiler alert, he is the one that gives the power to to the Chancellor later on. Uh So, yeah, would that be more forgivable? Were he younger or sweeter sounding or cuter looking? Well, it goes along perfectly with Wyatt's theory. I think it would. (laughs) With his flat earther friends. Wyatt's not a flat earther, but that's where I I grouped (laughs) that theory into. Oh, the Darth Jar Jar? Yes, he thinks that Jar Jar is in fact the penultimate Sith Lord, even above Palpatine, and that Stop. all of his goof mistakes now we've gone off the rails. lead off lead up to him being actually a master manipulator. So that's I hope, why 
everything I say to Wyatt about shut up about Jar Jar. That's why. Both of you are aware up, we are going to be. Up. Wyatt, shut up about the sun. Shut up about the sun. <laughs> I hope both of you know that we are. We will be doing a podcast about these theories about Darth Perfect. Jar Jar. Fine, but I want the character yeah. studies that I want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's that's a great point, Alyssa. Um, I know there was a lot of hate when this movie was released because they thought that they were being racist towards Islanders because he had that kind of Jamaican Correct. kind of island accent and the way he structured his words. It wasn't just him that people had a problem with. And then we have Jabba as the stereotypical fat Italian crime boss. <laughs> um, that's a which, little more forgivable. That's I forgivable. Think. And I'm Italian. It doesn't even bother Same. me. But. Right, right, right. My thought with Watto, um, for those that are also like Wyatt and enjoy The Office, I wrote down, because I just watched this episode of The Office, um, that Watto sounds like Michael Scott's Greek Mykonos character. <laughs> she would like a Greek chino. And Hank goes, What's a Greek chino? It's a very strong coffee with a goat's milk. <laughs> with the milk of a goat. <laughs> with the milk of a goat. So, yeah, I was like, Oh my God, it's Mykonos. One more time around the table and then we'll wrap up. My second what if is. What if the Gungans did an ally with the Naboo? Like they'd be screwed because they'd, they'd be screwed I can only because protect you. I can't fight a war for you. <laughs> yeah, I like, hate that about the Jedi. Like yeah, they'd be they'd be screwed. The the Gungan didn't have to. The Gungan were the only ones fighting the droids. I mean, there were like some of the cops and guards in the city doing some stuff, but like the Gungans led, like you said, the vast majority of their forces right. away. Well. You know, the Gungans slowed them down, but ultimately it was our boy Anakin who accidentally blew everything up and destroyed the control ship and saved the day. And knocked out and, the, the Wi-Fi router. And right, and I was going to say, and by proxy, that was probably R2. And uh, yeah. cool in this movie that we got to see R2's first save ever and then subsequently save everybody's butts like 16 times throughout the rest of the film. For right. sure. Um, so yeah, I think... You know, she she bent the knee. It just had to happen. You had to get yeah, the Game of Thrones punch. The, the movie wouldn't have worked w without them, no. which is weird to say that the movie wouldn't work without Jar Jar's people. Um, well, I never thought that's something I would say, but I'm in fact saying well, yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that and then also the beginning, you know, plot points where, you know, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan needed a ship and the, the Gungans gave him that. And, you know, he saved Jar Jar's miserable life, crazy life, little annoying life. and he was owed a life debt. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think that starts to unravel a lot of, a lot of things if you don't have them. I used to joke about, um, so how Qui-Gon talks to Jar Jar in the first few scenes. I joke that that's how my dad talks to me where he's like, oh I'm back. And he's like, the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Now get out of here. That's how I like joke about how our <laughs> childhood went. It was not that bad. It was not that, but like, that's how we joke and it bothers my mom kind of thing. So <laughs> So, and he's like, oh, no, no, I owe you a life debt. Uh, that, that won't be necessary. Uh, it's like me as a kid, but, but you're my father. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wyatt knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yo, yeah. <laughs> that might segue pretty well into my next what if. Go for it. Uh, speaking of father. So what if, what if Anakin had a father? Do you think his father would have also fallen into slavery 
would he be force sensitive? Would his father have been a big gambler like his mother? And also why they were slaves. Would Anakin still have grown up to be fearful and fall to the dark side? Hmm. I think he, Anakin later on saw um, Obi-Wan more as a father, brotherly, brotherly figure. Um, obviously, we get the famous speech in episode three, you know, you were my brother, I loved you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Jedi are taught not to form attachments, right. family, family included. I know that whole way that Anakin was formed by the midichlorians kind of working through his mom, like, you know, like the Virgin Mary, it's kind of, right. it's, it's weird in the sci-fi sense. Um, they did that in Stargate, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think they did a good job of explaining it, though, because I was, like, waiting for there to be a point for me to pick it apart. And I was like, no, this, this uh, sci-fi science actually tracks the way mm-hmm. Obi-Wan explained, or excuse me, the way Qui-Gon explains it to um, young Annie. So I don't know that he would have fallen to the dark side as easy had he had a two-parent um, raising, basically, even if they were in slavery. It's hard, though, because... Palpatine was basically, and I mean this using all senses of the word grooming, groomed him. (laughs) He basically did. Like he, he encouraged him when he needed to be encouraged. Um, So it, because Palpatine is a master manipulator, I still think he would have fell to the dark side. I just think it would have been more difficult, even with whatever happens. I'm not going to spoil the Clone Wars, but we're going to review everything moving forward. So watch the stuff if you're going to listen to this. Right. Everything that happens to him during the Clone Wars, during episode two, even with all that, I think it would have just been more difficult because you would have had a more stable uh, foundation, in my opinion. Right. And your point makes me think of Ezra Bridger, right? So he grew Mm -hmm. up with two parents and he still was, you know, falling to the wayside there with Palpatine trying to groom him through the force, not even in person. And, um, you know, he still had a father and a mother that loved him very much that he had very strong attachments to who unfortunately passed away. Hmm. And, um, he still was tempted pretty easily to the dark side. He didn't succumb like our friend Anakin, but. (laughs) What if the Senate ended up ruling that the, um, the trade federation blockade was in fact legal? I guess we would have no movie. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, what if they would have been like, you guys are SOL until you pay whatever the Trade Federation wanted them to pay? We don't even know, like, exactly why. Like, I, I think there's an explanation somewhere on the internet, but it's, like, not terribly well known as far as why they were being blockaded. It's because they didn't pay whatever ridiculous taxes there were. I still would feel like Qui-Gon still would have gone to help because he's more of, of a lack of a better term, a rogue Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he listens to the Force. He doesn't, like, he, he asks the, the Council for help and for guidance and for permission. But you heard it that Yoda's told Anakin or told Obi-Wan that your master's defiance has rubbed off on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think Qui-Gon would have gone to help, not in the forces that he had with him even though it was just him annie and obi-wan i know but then that foils palpatine's plan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well like plan a of plan c you know 
what yeah. like the, he's got his many plans the the domino effect had to start somewhere so i think he would have found another way like kind of what Alyssa touched on he would have made himself a to succeed after chancellor valorum stepped down or mm-hmm. would have been murdered or yeah um <clears throat> i think he would have made a way somehow um, but again, Liz also said we wouldn't have, have had a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like the, my answer to that would be, it's the memes that are going around right now where it's like, yes, we approve this blockade and the credits roll and credits to George Lucas, the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that, that little trend going around now. It's yeah. Hilarious. Those are good. You were granted rank of master. Right. The end of the film. <laughs> I love those. Yeah. Also, did you hear at the very end, so Jaja's like war buddy that he's there in the field, Captain calls, him, calls him General <laughs> Jaja. Mm-hmm. Why is he the rank of general? Granted, in Star Wars, anybody can be general. Because you have General, uh, you have general Tano as well. I think the better mm, question is why yeah. does Andrew know that character's name? Like, can we just... Because he's in charge of research, research and development, <laughs> Alyssa. We'll pretend that I haven't I, known that, that since was, I was six. Um, that, was, that was a lesson in sarcasm. That was. A you don't remember when question. he's like, like when Boss Nass like told him that he was getting promoted. Yeah, he did say that. No, I didn't. Bombad general. Yeah. I we have given you, you bombad uh, general. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then okay. he's like general, and he passed out. <laughs> And then he laughed, and then Boss Ness laughed at somebody who was probably hypoglycemic passing oh, out. Oh, like that? Um, no, he just went, ha, 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 It's like, <laughs> okay, your boy could be hypoglycemic. Have you checked to see if he's eaten? He's like oh the kind of guy God. who would choke on his own tongue, and he's you made him a general? Oh, gosh. Help him out. <laughs> so why did he make general? I don't know. He destroyed a few tanks by accident with those balls, by, so that's kind of cool. By being clumsy. <laughs> Misa clumsy. It's so true. I'm clumsy. You don't see me being a Sith Lord. Annie, Annie, my hand is stuck. <laughs> my, my, my and did you notice C-3PO and <laughs> R2 stuff. walked away at my that point? They were completely okay with him getting his hand torn off. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I then, think they knew he would. Padme was like, everybody stop. <laughs> and then I mean, Padme had to be the, the rescuer and save him. But um, cool. Well, as we wrap to a close, one final thing we have to talk about, and then we will wrap up. You know, this episode for at least most of us, if not all three of us, was the start of the of this Star Wars journey for us because we weren't born in the 70s when the original trilogy came out. So seeing this in the big picture, in the, in the theaters with the, with the toys was really the introduction to Star Wars for us. You know, a lot of people might criticize us for starting on episode one versus going you know, four, five, six, then one, two, three. But mm-hmm. this is how I, I see the timeline. This is how it was introduced to me. Mm-hmm. And again, it's our podcast. We could do what we want. Yeah, you tell them. <laughs> say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> so as we're wrapping up, um, rapid fire, let's go with our personal best highlight from this movie and the worst part of this movie. So for me, the best part is my favorite part is I loved the little fighters that they fly, like the little yellow. Um, Starfighters, yeah. Yeah, oh, they, yeah. To me, being in aviation, they look the most realistic <laughs> flight craft to actually fly. <laughs> so maybe that's why I like them, because they look more realistic. 
to me. Very aesthetically pleasing on top of that. Like, they're very, like, it's, it's, it kind of, that kind of reminds me of like ancient, like Greece, like, uh, the, the Athens, like how everything was like so beautiful in Thede. Like everything they have is gorgeous, including their people, mind you. Um, so that I, I used to love that ship too. My worst. It's hard to say because this this film for me is I want to say top three in everything that's been released. So I will honestly we picked up on this a little bit earlier, but the dialogue between Annie and Padme mm. and uh, the creepish hitting on biting lip <laughs> no biting lip didn't happen but... i think i think it did gonna, i've been outvoted with why i've I'm been outvoted you've been vetoed out of here yes i've been vetoed you've been ganged up on officially Alyssa, best and worst um you kind of you kind of nailed it there but um i think it's going to be to no one's surprise especially um for wyatt <laughs> to know that my answer is the duel of the fates I've been singing that since I got a lightsaber. Um, and that's all I do is just sing that and fling it around the house. And my parents are so sick of me right now. But yeah, that just that whole sequence, right? It's like just the tension oh, is building, phenomenal. the climax is coming. Like it was so good. I was like clapping and cheering and hooting and hollering again yesterday, sitting in my bed, watching the movie. Um, that whole just like final sequence is perfect there's literally nothing wrong with it other than the special effects which would be probably the worst there's a lot so if you if you talk to directors and writers they'll all agree that at the time in the movie where you notice the music the music is too much yeah and it kind of overtakes it's this duel is exempt yeah, because no, I it, totally agree. it blends so it does well. seamlessly, and then it cuts back to those battle scenes where it's different music, and then it comes back in, and you're like, "Oh yes, this was what I was looking for." And then that choir hits, and you're like, "Send me to the moon!" Like this is <laughs> insane. It's like, probably who? the best score, to be honest. It literally is. It's the best. John Williams piece. is a genius. Yes, we can all agree on that for sure. So yeah, I think to expand on the worst piece for me. I agree with you, Wyatt. I did put the dialogue. It's kind of a split, like I said, um, or like you said, rather. This is one of my favorite films, if not my favorite. I'm sure people are going to come at me for that. But like like we've discussed, that's my childhood. This is like my memory of Star Wars. Um, and yes, it's not a perfect movie, as we've discussed. There's many flaws, and there are a lot of flaws we didn't even get to. But yeah, yeah. outside of Anakin and Padme's dialogue, some of the stuff with Jar Jar is like, what are we even? He says poo poo and doo doo, and you're like, yeah, this is for the five year olds. <laughs> like, this is to get us to laugh. Um, some of the stuff Qui Gon said, <laughs> it did. I mean, some it's of the stuff Qui Gon even said to you know some of the people, you're just like, what are you? I mean. Anyway, um, mostly like Qui-Gon's interactions with Shmi, you're like, what? Anakin's mom. You're like, what? But um, yeah, I think I, to pick it apart, we talked about the Yoda puppet that kind of made me cringe. And then the other thing um, being Maul's horns were just really bad. You're like, man, y'all went to Party City and glued that to that man's head. <laughs> like that is plastic You know his contacts up. hurt him so much. That's why he like never blinked in the movie. And probably why his eyes were so bloodshot. <laughs> yes, they were killing him. But so. I mean, I, I, and another thing, I don't remember him talking like at all as a, as a kid. I don't remember. I just remember being so scared. Of course, yeah, he totally did. But I don't remember that. And rewatching it as an adult, I'm like, he spoke, he had a voice. 
I and, think I just remember being so afraid of him that I was like, and, scared. Andrew, a question for you. Is the voice actor the same for episode one and clones? No. Or Maul? No. No. So Ray Park portrays Darth Maul as like the actor mm-hmm. in the, the live action. Um, they actually got him to come back, spoilers, for um, season seven of Clone Wars. I don't know if that was his voice in episode one because I did read that someone else was initially cast and I don't know if they ended up using his voice. Okay. Um, but it is Sam Witwer um, for the the voice for the Clone Wars and Rebels. He's an amazing voice actor. Right. Okay, that I'm just phys- curious. That physical acting. Yeah, the amazing. physical acting. And he's a, he's a stunt guy, um, yeah. Ray Park. You can tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Incredible stuff. That, um, when, I was, when I was watching it with Laura, the choreography of that entire duel is seamless and perfect. If and you it watch doesn't the look first, yeah. rehearsed. It doesn't look like Mm-mm. this is clearly no. drawn out battle. It looks like a struggle. If you watch the first X-Men movie from like, I think it was like 2000 or 2001, he plays Toad. And there's a scene where like he has this long pole and he does the quick little twirl. Mm. It was kind of a nod <laughs> to that. Um, yes. So my favorite part, it's hard to say. Thankfully, you said Duel of Fates, so I can agree with that and have my own separate from that. Um, I didn't think that, you know, growing up, I didn't know that I could love Qui-Gon anymore um, just because he's like he seems, like we said, a rogue Jedi, a maverick Jedi. He, you know, listens to the Force. He, he kind of does, I don't want to necessarily say what feels right, um, but he kind of like he knows what needs to be done as far as good and bad. And he does what, you know, he goes back and he just he fixes things. That's how I imagine like him and Obi-Wan's like entire master and apprenticehood were is them just traveling the galaxy, um, going to these disputes, whatever they may be, and just, you know, getting stuff done and fixing things and leaving people better. The worst. Um, <laughs> I don't, you have I don't a large like, list to pick from. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, yeah, but I'm not trying to dog crap on this movie. Plenty of people do. Um, they were like, oh, this movie was for the kids. And I, I think Dave Filoni said it best. Well, what age were you when you were introduced to Star Wars in that's the 70s? Great point. So, and he said, why do you get to rob other people of that? So that's Yes, say uh, it louder. So, Filoni uh, with the clutch. The worst when I was a kid was probably the politics. Now, it's probably also the politics <laughs> because <laughs> for different reasons. One, I didn't understand anything about politics as a kid. Now they just annoy me. Um, these politics <laughs> and Star Wars, yeah. they so I think I saw it on, it was like Cinema Sins or Everything Wrong with Episode One. The guy says, you know, for a trilogy that goes into an ungodly amount of time for politics, we know nothing about their politics. None of the important things. Good point. And not even just like, oh, they wanted to have a cop out so it didn't seem to left or to right it's just like nothing important that we need to know is is involved so that's probably one of the worst things i i pretend to hate jar jar more than i do so he doesn't make the worst thing for me that's okay i just saved both of your opinions and reminded you that we would not have loved star wars as much as children without jar jar you're welcome appreciate you And to this day is the reason why my wife still likes this episode. There you go. There you go. <laughs> cool. Well, don't about you guys, but I've had a lot of fun talking about this and what I'm going to call our live action because we're actually looking at each other via Zoom and 
actually discussing it like we're at the dinner table sharing a meal together. So great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listen, listening. Um, next time, we will be breaking down episode two, Attack of the Clones. And just so you know, for future, we will be talking about everything canon, which includes everything episodes one through nine, clones, rebels, solo, Rogue One, and everything in between, including the Mandalorian. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. In the meantime, check us out on Instagram at Spectre underscore radio and on Facebook as Spectre Radio. Be sure to submit your questions via social media for a chance to hear us answer them on our upcoming segment, Consult the Council. This is Spectre Radio, signing off. I love you.